Hi, a little intro before the intro. I'm currently away with the family, catching up with my parents, and uh, it's the first time they're meeting our uh, second child, our daughter, who, who was born during lockdown. And uh, yeah, it's been really nice to all get together. My niece is here as well. We are in Centre Parks, Windfell Park, just outside Penrith in Cumbria. The weather is absolutely glorious. Not a cloud in the sky. There's a slight breeze in the air. Just perfect. Um, in fact, it's probably a little bit warm for me. But any any normal person <laughs> will be fine. If you don't know what Centre Parks is, it's a holiday park, a sort of gated, forested area with a shopping mall in the middle. Um, it's the great outdoors for people who don't like the real great outdoors, but um, it's just perfect for families. Lots of activities for the kids to do indoors and outdoors this is beginning to sound like an advert maybe i should try for some sponsoring anyway let me get to the point uh what you're about to hear is an episode that i'd intended to put out a week ago probably over a week ago by the time this gets out and um, it features an unboxing and a session recap and um yeah, I hope you enjoy it. We now return. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time to about not playing the end. Let's spin to do a trick, cause you're incapable of Hello, hello, hello. I can't do that, somebody else does that. Um Welcome, welcome, welcome. No, that doesn't feel right either. Um, all right. How you diddling? Nah. Uh, hello, my name's Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, and this is Keep Off The Borderlands. I'm trying to inject a little bit of energy into the beginning of the show because, I don't know, listening back to recent episodes, frankly, I think I sound fed up. And, uh, well, that's not going to keep anyone listening, is it? So, this is me. I've just had a coffee and I'm raring to go. Let's do this. Um, I do have a couple of messages, but I'm probably going to leave those until the, until the next episode because I think they might fit in with what I intend to talk about there. Um, in this episode... I've got an unboxing and a Troika session report. So, uh, yeah, let's get on with it. 
So I've got another unboxing for you and this one is um, well the box is kind of two by eight by eight it's been delivered first class Royal Mail from Glasgow this is a game I backed by Stu Goff now Stu created a game for Zine Quest 2 called the Gaslight Club which was like a 1920s kind of Westworld setting and um yeah it's a really it, it really caught my attention I just really like the look of it and although it's a game in its own right I thought it would slot nicely into Electric Bastion Land which is uh which is something that seems to inform most of my decisions. So uh, let's get into this. Um, oops. God, this is quite well sealed. I've got to say, I'm not the best unboxer. highest dex skills yeah oh there we go now right now this is yeah this is what i thought it would be uh this game is called wild wake initiated lucid dreaming and uh yeah the first thing out of the box is a pack of tarot cards which are not necessary to play i don't think um but but they they look kind of cool and um i thought yes i'm having those uh, however i'm not going to open that box just yet as uh well as i said before my uh Dexterity means that I may not be able to do so without damaging the box. So I'm not going to risk that just now. So here we have a nice bubble wrap bag containing a hardback book. Now, that's nice. Wild, wake, initiated, lucid, lucid, dreaming. This is a really nice book, actually. Um, it's square, which is um, probably going to irritate me when I put it up on the shelf. But, um, but it's very nice, nicely presented, nice thick paper, um, clear, black and white. And uh, um, this is by uh, David F. Chapman, uh, produced by Stu Goff. So here we go. Chapter one, turning off the mind. May I be the first to welcome you to Claret. Ah, Clar 
IT, the world's pioneer in DreamShare technology. You've gone through the rigorous process of determining if you have what it takes to be an Oneonaut, an explorer in the uncharted worlds of the unconscious mind, and you've proven yourself to be capable of keeping your head while venturing into the unknown places of someone else's mind. Before you start, we've designed and developed a training program which will put you through your paces. At its heart, it is a simple extraction job. To go into someone's dream, find the dreamer at the heart of it all. However, this mission has a personal subtext that you may be unaware of. So I think we can see what's influenced this game. Um, Inception. Um... And it's just something that really caught my fantasy. Caught my fantasy? Caught my fancy. Introduction. Welcome to the role-playing game. Let's have a look at the system itself. Stats are control, focus, passion and strength. And there's a nice character sheet here with sort of... Uh, with kind of a tarot layout of... Nine cards, so uh, so four cards around the outside. Control, passion, strength, focus. In the center, you've got visionary, and around that, you've got guardian, rogue, scholar, diplomat. Name, persona, shadow, background, aspects. So it seems that actually a tarot deck is quite heavily featured here. Um, but I do believe it's possible to play without a tarot deck. But I'm glad I picked those cards up because I thought they, uh, I really like the design of those. Very nicely illustrated. Kind of a, a very sort of comic book illustrations um all black and white and uh, yeah that last page appears to be showing you how to play it without the tarot deck um but let's have a look you know what you want to achieve and you know how you're going to do it you drew cards and looked to see how successful you were but what does it actually mean? There are multiple levels of, of success and which one your action falls into depends upon how many actual successes you manage to gain in your card draw. Zero successes is a straight failure. One success just, which is a yes, but. Two successes is a success, straight yes. Three or more successes, excellent, yes and. So you've kind of, uh, seems that other players can cooperate in helping you achieve your goal, pushing yourself, um, consequences, setbacks, harm. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm clearly going to have to give that a good read to uh, get my head around the system, but it's a very nice looking book. 
and a theme that really appealed to me. So there we go. And there's always oh, a little, uh, little softback manual here. Clar IT intelligent technology. It, it's like a, a user manual. Alice Dreamshare Unit Operations Manual. And it, yeah, it just does look like a little book of instructions for the device that the character actually wears, which is like a sort of a white plastic looking tiara type headband. And um, yeah, really nicely put together that. And I look forward to diving into that. So I just managed to pop that card box open and um, yeah, these cards are really nice. So the, the suits are, as featured on the um, character sheet, control, focus, passion and strength. Yeah, really nicely illustrated. Uh, black and white, but really good quality card that they're printed on. It's clearly, uh, yeah, kind of a near future, a very inception looking setup here. And all kinds of crazy dreamlike madness depicted on these cards. Lovely stuff. Hello, I'm in the garden. What? I'm just, I'm just recording a bit for my podcast. Hello, I'm in the garden. <laughs> You're in the garden too, are you? We are done We are what? With a forecast. What is a forecast? Forecast is what we should have had before coming out in the garden because the sun has disappeared. I said a podcast. What is a podcast? <laughs> a podcast is something Daddy makes that other people listen to. I want I want it to record me. It is recording you. Why? Because you're speaking. It's you're... your turn, Daddy. What? It's your turn to do it. I Look, I was hoping to do a Troika session report, right? Now, Troika is a game I play. Oh, you're sitting next to me, you're soaking wet. <laughs> She's building the paddling pole. Troika session report. This is a game I play. I played with Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Can Cast. I play it and see what it is? You probably could play it. I want to play it. Well, then we'll play something at least. Were those your friends who played the game? They were my friends. Did I say TJ Drennan? No, Mr. Music? Mr. Maestro? Mr. Mr. Gingerbread Man. <laughs> Mr. Gingerbread Man? No. Mr. Melodorous Miasma Meltdown. Um, yeah, so he was running the game of Troika. So this is um, kind of a companion piece to Jason's episode 223 of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. 
you should probably listen to that first. Well, Excuse me. It is doing your sound. What are you doing? Well, no, I've got to record it first and then we can listen back to it if you like. Record it. Right, I am recording it. So, <laughs> this is impossible, you. <laughs> this is impossible. Right, I'm gonna have to. Oh, I'm gonna have to put a stop to this. Well. That didn't go quite as well as I thought it might. So I'm back inside. Uh, so TJ was running the game. Me and Jason were players. Hoping a few more can join us on the next session. So I discovered Troika in 2018, as I was saying. And that was, bef that was before it was published in its current format as the Numinous Edition. And I believe in that first iteration, it did actually acknowledge that it was based on Advanced Fighting Fantasy Dungeoneer, that it used that system. And um, yeah, I rolled up some shocking stats. 1d6 plus 3 for skill, I rolled a 1. 2d6 plus 12, I believe, for stamina, I rolled 4. I guess I guess that could have been worse. But then uh, for luck, which is 1d6 plus 6, I rolled another 1. So there we go. Um, I also used TJ's backgrounds. TJ created a handful of backgrounds. And I rolled that up randomly. I was a sky pilot. The power of the goddess speeds you. Your vessel between the spheres is a cathedral. You steer this boat from one knee as you bask in her radiance. She is the solar wind at your back and you will convert the spheres one after another to her will and way. You are a missionary. You carry the word. Yeah, so what was the good news I was spreading? Um... We discussed the nature of the religion of the goddess and I figured that, you know, there was a coming cataclysm that I called the reaping and that those who converted would be spared. Those spheres that had been converted would be spared. Jason mentioned necromongers and suggested that his character having the devouring skill might take care of a few of the folks that I I failed to convert. Now, um, I wasn't against this idea on moral grounds or anything like that. In fact, I wasn't against the idea at all. I, um, I was just a little hesitant with the evocation of necromongers. And although that, that was great kind of shorthand for what might be occurring, I, I do sort of hesitate to introduce things from other fictions 
into this world that I've yet to discover. And I don't like to kind of nail too much down from the outset. Um, I like the world to sort of suggest, you know, fill in the blanks through play, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, Jason did detect a little hesitancy from me there. And uh, that was that was the only reason why. I think a good example of kind of ideas emerging through play, one of my skills was that I spoke a dead language. And I also had this implant in my forehead, the star of Alasar. And we sort of, I had to come up with what this this implant actually did. And this was a bit of back and forth with me and TJ. He reminded me that I spoke a dead language. And um, I thought, well, that's interesting, seeing as my job is as a missionary and I'm going out trying to convert people to my religion, yet I can't speak anything but this dead language. And the the implant in my forehead was to act as a translator. And I really latched onto this idea that the the reason I spoke a dead language was that it was part of part of my religion. And yet it was a kind of a religious law that worked against my ability to spread the word. Therefore, I had to have this thing implanted in my forehead to allow me to communicate through other languages. So that was a nice sort of self-imposed, self-imposed hurdle that had to be circumnavigated with this kind of workaround of a crystal in my forehead. So we, we started the session on the surface of this rocky planet. Me and Jason's character who was like a a nine tentacled engineer. Um, I, I pictured kind of like a squiddly dilly type character. And we'd been gathering sort of mineral resources required for maintaining my ship, the the Basilica. And the, the Basilica being a, a starship not designed for landing on the planet's surface. So we had to get back to that ship using an elevator. Now it turned out that this elevator is a huge cylinder that travels along a cable that disappears off up into the atmosphere. And uh, and this, this cylinder is essentially like a huge, imagine the interior is like a, a cruise ship. And at the base of the cable was this um, this strange ancient looking structure yet had clearly been constructed by some very advanced technology it was made it was carved out of the stone but it was like impossibly smooth and there was no obvious entrance to it so so we approach this structure and kind of uh, I start trying to interact with the outer surface drawn to its impossible smoothness and, uh, oh, yeah, Jason's character had this kind of, uh, was it a bat crab or crab bat? I think it was called. And uh, he, this thing hung off of one of his tentacles and he actually sent the the creature out to try and uh, find an entrance, which uh, was kind of a, a fruitless search. But once I kind of tapped on the outer wall of this 
thing, like this cable was sort of with a, a communicator attached to it, slung over the over the outside wall, and we figured that we had to negotiate entry, and um, I think Jason's character offered up some technical manuals, uh, which seemed to work well enough to get us a couple of tickets. We're encouraged to grab hold of this cable, and we were kind of dragged up over this wall and slid down the other side into this area that was like a big sort of open market come airport type thing uh, with lots of strange entities milling around. And I immediately, I immediately saw this as uh, like a, a captive audience, a potential for uh, me to move amongst them, spreading the word, distributing leaflets, which turned out to be highly successful and um, yeah, I converted a handful of people before um, we came across this incident. There was a, a guy waving around a firearm, threatening what turned out to be a family. And uh, while I was standing there trying to assess what was going on, Jason's character leapt into action. And, um, you know, I followed soon after. And the initiative uh, the way initiative works in Troika is you have like a, a bag that you pull chits out of. There's two chits per people involved in the combat. And there's um, a chit that signals the end of the round. It's quite possible that you might go for a round of combat, not get a turn. Yet the enemy gets two turns. As it was, it worked out really well. And we, everyone was able to get a turn on both rounds of combat. I believe there were only two rounds all in all. Jason's character lugged, lugged a, uh, a weapon, which I believe was a wrench, at the gunman, which uh, didn't injure him much, but it was enough to distract him. Then I moved in with my um, with my staff of the goddess and took a few swings at the guy. And um, I didn't do too much damage, but it, I was, you know, a little pretty impressive. But it was enough to um, send him on his way, although not before he managed to spread my nose across my face. You, using a grappling hook, he tried to escape, escape over the wall. Jason's uh, crab bat came in and uh, managed to cut his uh, rope with his special claws. And and uh, all, all the time this was going on, the elevator was descending at its painfully slow rate. Uh, managed to touch down the authorities. Um, some armed guards came off and essentially carted this guy away. I went and chatted to the uh, the Grand Visor, governor of the space elevator, and I managed to convert him to my religion, which enabled us to get a cabin upgrade, which was uh, really, really nice. Then we found out that the family were cartographers. The shooter was some terrorist agent of a certain Lord Anticar, whose um, mission was to destroy, was to end all mapping of spheres and destroy any existing maps, an activity that was kind of in direct opposition to my mission of, you know, locating and visiting all the spheres and converting them to 
the way of the goddess. Yeah, and I managed to convert the whole family too, which was nice. So that worked out really nicely, and I really look forward to how this is going to play out. Um, and hopefully, yeah, get a few more people joining us for the next session. Thanks to TJ for running. Thanks to Jason for uh, being a great companion. And uh, yeah, very excited to see where this goes next. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off the Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.